Welcome into the Sunday Belt Football Podcast. Christian Gokel alongside Robbie Ross. Glad to have you all hanging out with us here as we break down what was, I'm not going to call it an exciting, I'm not going to call it a fascinating, I think just an interesting week in the Sun Belt this past weekend. We are, of course, presented to you by Satisfied Food Co. Awesome pimento cheeses, great stuff for the tailgate. Uh, go online, go on Facebook, look up Satisfied Food Company, uh, and you'll be able to find all the different locations they have throughout the Southeast to make sure you have all the quality food at your tailgate. Robbie, uh, let's start with the game that we put out as our game of the week. Uh, some fans call it a rivalry. Some fans refuse to call it a rivalry, which I think makes it all the more of a rivalry. Uh, Georgia yeah. Southern headed up to take on Georgia State, and two teams that I think were about where we expected them to be at this point in the year, just not in the way we thought they were going to get there, right? Georgia Southern comes into this game three and two. Fascinating start to their year. Georgia State, meanwhile, came into this game off their first win of the year that they got at Army. So two teams that came in with, I guess, battle-tested, right? And it was what we usually see from this series, a close, hard-fought game where self-inflicted wounds end up costing a team. And that's what happened to Georgia Southern. We were talking before we started the show, Calvin trees, the quarterback there for Georgia Southern four interceptions in the game. And it just, it, it didn't seem like the Eagles could get out of their own way. Yeah. And what weren't really able to run the ball as effectively as I think that they would have wanted to Jalen white still had 71 yards on 17 carries, Gerald green, seven carries, 26 yards. Uh, OJ Arnold only one carry for four yards, which I think that, the more carries he gets as the season goes on, the more productive the Georgia Southern offense can be because he's that uh, exciting back and uh, kind of the, the the scat back of the three, if you will. But, yeah, Van Treese, <clears throat> excuse me, other than the four interceptions, 30 of 49 for 357 and three touchdowns. Uh, but those four interceptions were definitely uh, the difference in the ball game. And a point that you made talking um, a moment ago about – fans some fans think it's a rivalry some don't i think the fans that don't think it's a rivalry might need to start thinking it is because they're it's starting to be a little bit silly uh now that the fans that don't think it's a rivalry have lost three in a row in this series and faced a three and six deficit in this series to their quote little brother so I think maybe more emphasis and I'm not saying that the team didn't take it seriously or coach Helton or anything else I know they want to go one and zero this week, just like every other week that they want to go one and zero, um, and they don't really get into that. But I think the fan bases uh, or the fan base needs to start taking it a little bit more seriously. And I think that's the thing that 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 kind of Sean Elliott and Georgia State used to their advantage to get fired up. They seem to um, a little bit want it more uh, when it comes to playing Georgia Southern because they feel like they're the the new kid on the block or the little brother that kind of thing. But um, you know. Georgia Southern came out first drive of the game, 65 yard pass to Jeremy Singleton, which I've been waiting to see Jeremy Singleton be used to stretch the field because I think he is a key factor in this offense. The remaining half of the season, he caught uh, six balls for 101 yards in that 65 yarder to set up the early touchdown. He can stretch the field. Caleb Hood had a career high, 11 catches, 120 yards and a touchdown. And Amari Jones doing a good job catching balls too. six catches uh, for 66 yard uh, uh, Burgess jr. With five catches. 
so the offense was clicking. They're you know they're top twenty offense in the country, but the the turnovers were the difference, and that's what hurt uh, Georgia Southern. Now they find themselves through six games at three and three. Georgia State two and four, and the big big thing that hurt the Eagles is they're zero and two in the league. Yeah, I was going to say I think for Georgia State looking ahead a little bit. They're one and one, and they're going to need some help, right? They're going to need Coastal Carolina to get knocked off uh, at least twice. But I, I don't think even at two and four, they're completely out of this thing yet. They got some big games left on their schedule. Whereas for Georgia Southern, it's going to take a lot of help now at zero and two. If you had any thoughts about playing for a conference title, uh, but going back to this one, Georgia State has a pair of guys in James Will or James Williams and Tucker Gregg go over 100 yards on the ground. And it was the big gashing runs, right? Uh, you see a long of 42 for James Williams, a long of 33 for Tucker Gregg. Darren Granger had a 25-yard run. Uh, Marcus Carroll had a 20-yard run. So with Georgia Southern, I know a lot of people were saying, okay, finally moving away from the triple option, going to a more wide-open attack on offense. It's going to be the offense that struggles this year. Can the defense carry them? It's kind of been the opposite, right? The offense, I think, has been clicking a little bit more than people thought it was going to in year one. But defensively, you look at this team, and they've only held an opponent to under 30 points twice. And that was against an FCS team in week one. Uh, and then they were able to hold Ball State, I believe, to 23 points. Outside of that, the defense has been getting smoked. How much of that, just to be fair to the defense, do you think is the offense and just kind of its volatility right now where they're going so fast and they're throwing the football so much that the defense is out there a lot? Or is it just this unit struggling? I think it's probably a good mix. Uh, kind of saw that at times last year, the pass defense was not um, what you would hope it would be. And uh, that continues on into this year. And the tackling is not really where it needs to be either. And you look at the team stats from this past Saturday in Atlanta, uh, you know, who, uh, uh, if you had taken this box score, five years ago or 10 years ago and looked at it, you see Georgia Southern throwing for 357 and Georgia State running for 335. Somebody was said that's definitely a misprint uh, because when Georgia State came into the league, they were throwing the ball all over the yard. And, of course, Georgia Southern was rushing the football all over the place. So it's really kind of interesting to see the how things have changed uh, in, this, in this rivalry. But, yes, we saw it last week against Coastal, could not hold on to the 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, gave up quick, quick touchdowns to Grayson McCall in Coastal Carolina uh, to lose that one at the end. And then this week, just had a hard time tackling those Georgia State runners. Now, I will say, Tucker Gregg is hard to bring down, and uh, he did a great job. And then uh, Williams is hard to bring down, too. But three, four, five missed tackles uh, per play, and that really adds up over time. Yeah, and you look at the rest of Georgia Southern's schedule here, it's Big one, and we're going to talk about this one a little bit later. Big one coming up this weekend uh, when now number 25, James Madison, comes to no. town. Uh, then you're at Old Dominion against South Alabama, at Louisiana, home against Marshall, and then you finish with a home game against App State. So a couple weeks ago, we're talking, and we're like, man, it's a disappointment if you don't make a bowl game. Now I think you're sitting there looking like it would be a major achievement with the remainder mm -hmm. of that schedule to make a bowl game. But for the Eagles, uh, and we'll, we'll move off of this game here in a second because I know there's some other big games to talk about, some big upsets. But for the Eagles, regardless if they make a bowl game or not, I think what's interesting, and I think maybe we see with the four interceptions, right? Clay Helton came in this year, and it wasn't just about getting the players to buy in and getting the program back to where he thinks it can go. It's getting the fan base to buy back in, right? Because yeah. you come in, 
as a national champion, perennial national champion in the FCS. And then you come in, you win nine games in your first year uh, as a uh, FBS program. And then since then, it's been a battle, which it's going to be in the Sun Belt, right? You're not winning championships. You're fighting for bowl bids. And that's kind of where fans are. And so it seems like the last few years, the fan base has kind of changed its expectations to if we can make a bowl game cool. And that's I don't think that's the kind of fire that Clay Helton wants. So coming into this year, it feels like his goal was we might not win the games, but you're not going to be bored at any of our games. And I, I think that's a pretty cool strategy, especially in year one, a transition year like this. Like most teams, once you lose three games, you're going to lose 25, 30% of your fan base watching those games. If you can make it entertaining like this, I think Georgia Southern fans are going to be tuning in every week. Yeah, they have not, you know, no blowouts, no give up, which is what Coach Helton said in his post-game interview uh, with the uh, with the radio network. The team did not give up. The team um, kept fighting, and that's something that is different from last year to this year. Um, last year, the team did not show the fight that they have shown through the first six games, and the intensity – throughout the entire game was not there that they have shown through the first six games this year. And I think that's the difference, the main difference that Coach Helton has has instilled in this team and in Statesboro in his, you know, eight months of being, uh, being there. Uh, the next six games are going to be tough. Where are the three wins that they need to go bowl eligible? I'm not quite sure. Um, but I will say this, and I know we're going to talk about the game this week. You know, the last two times a team came into Paulson Stadium freshly ranked, they left with a loss, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, and, and speaking of it, James Madison now 5-0 and on the year, 2-0 and in Sunbelt play. Oh, excuse me, 3-0 now in Sunbelt play, and they come off a 42-20 to win uh, at Arkansas State, which I know things haven't gone great for Butch Jones uh, up there at Arkansas State, but anytime you can head in conference on the road and, and win a game by 20-plus points, something's going right for you. And now again, 5-0, and and the first five games in the FBS, and they are already ranked inside the AP Top 25, which we think about like how big of an achievement that has been for teams like App State to finally get ranked inside the top 25 and for a Coastal Carolina to finally get the recognition and be ranked inside the top 25. Just as a, a fan of the Sun Belt and a fan of Southern college football, how wild is it to you five games into their inaugural season in the FBS that James Madison's ranked? That's crazy. I mean, it's it's it's, it's a credit to them, first of all, and a credit to the league, too. Uh, you know, I think they're the fourth different – Sunbelt team now, Coastal, App, Louisiana, yep. and now James Madison that has been ranked um, in the last couple of years. I'm not going to say all time because I hadn't gone back to, to check, you know, the Troys and things of that nature. They had some success. Uh, but in the last three or four years, the, 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 they are now the fourth team to be ranked in the top 25. Um, and it's a credit to the league. It's a credit to their program. And they are playing good football. And that was kind of a trap game. Um, last weekend or this past weekend in Jonesboro, Arkansas. They went in, they got it done, they took care of business, and they threw the football all over the place too. I mean, they had a balanced attack. They threw for 394 and ran for five or for 204. So almost 600 total yards of offense. Yeah, this one almost got close there. Towards the end of the third quarter, uh, you have Jeff Foreman go in uh, with a 13-yard pass from James Blackman, who I thought had a good game uh, in this yeah. one and is quietly having a solid year which is cool to see from him. Uh, but they get it close, 21 to 13. There were six minutes left in the third quarter. And then James Madison, like a, a good team does, just turn it on in the fourth quarter. 21 points uh, in the fourth quarter 
to end up winning that game 42 to 20. And just looking at this, Robbie, going forward, James Madison, some teams you see start off 5-0 and and you're like, okay, when is the other shoe going to drop? But defensively, they're playing good football. They're rushing for over 150 yards uh, on the ground. And then what makes a lot of teams take that next step is excellent quarterback play. And we've talked a lot about the six-year senior for Georgia Southern, but there's a six-year senior for James Madison, uh, who's in his first year with the program, Todd Centino, who started his career there at Temple, uh, then moved over to Colorado State and had a really good season last year, close to 3,000 yards uh, through the air for a bad Colorado State program, and then transfers over to James Madison, which I thought was maybe one of the more under-talked about transfers of the offseason just because we didn't know what to expect from James Madison and it's a quarterback transferring from Colorado State but I mean the dude it, combined yards is averaging over 300 yards per game to start the season and looks like he could be in contention for Sunbelt player of the year yeah absolutely and for a team that and I went back and clarified this after either last week or the week before James Madison cannot play in a postseason game so they're not eligible for the conference yep. championship not eligible for uh, a bowl game. The difference when Georgia Southern's first year, when they were not eligible for a bowl game, but did win the Sun Belt, is because there was not a championship game. So that's the difference in how Georgia yeah. Southern won the Sun Belt their first year, and James Madison cannot win the Sun Belt this year. They can hang a banner for being Sun Belt East champions, but that's as far as it'll go, and the second place team will go to the championship game. But uh, you're right. I mean, a, a very under the radar transfer in at quarterback has really just taken ownership of this team and this program. And, uh, you know, their schedule sets up for them to maybe even be undefeated. They got a game at Louisville uh, on November 5th that, um, you know, they could win that game. Uh, there's no chance, no question in my mind they could win that game in the, uh, against an ACC opponent. Uh, they will be favored in probably every, the, every game other than Louisville until they maybe get to Coastal Carolina, but they have the Chanticleers in Harrisonburg. And if James Madison is 11 and 0 or, or 10 and one, then I would certainly uh, 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 expect them to be favored in that one. So uh, they're going to be favored in every game. They're a 10 and a half point favorite this weekend in Statesboro. Uh, and I think they'll be favored in all of them, except maybe Louisville for the rest of the year. And we'll see how it goes. And they, they are taking this as a springboard to next year when they can uh, win a conference championship and, and, and play in a bowl game. Yeah, and I think this year, too, for James Madison can kind of be that advertisement year where you're heading to a lot of different places that you didn't really have a recruiting footprint before. And if they come in and put a hurting on Georgia Southern this week, that's a really big, fertile recruiting base for them that they can maybe start, even if it's three or four guys uh, a year that they yeah. can pull uh, that have never heard of James Madison before. The fact that they can come in now, play at Georgia Southern, where every high school kid in this area is watching uh, Georgia Southern games, then you can see that benefit, even if you can't play in the postseason, could be really big for recruiting. Uh, Robbie, what happened to App State? Uh, you start the season about as hot as you can. You're the talk of college football. College game day uh, is in your city for the first time. You're taking down top 10 teams, which probably shouldn't have been a top 10 team. And it's just everything's over the moon. And now it's just come crashing back down. So I, I want to get your opinion first, and then I want to get your take on something that I, I think might be causing this. When I saw the halftime score, I didn't really check the score until around halftime because, you know, Texas State, that's a layup. Either in, in years past, that's been a layup. You go to Texas State, you know, you're going to take get in there, take care of business, get out. 
Uh, Texas State comes home uh, to your place. It's a win. You, you, you're gonna. It's gonna be homecoming probably. Uh, but App State down twenty-four to three at halftime to Texas State. Uh, I, I, it's crazy, and they end up losing thirty-six twenty-four. They they tried to turn it on um, in the third and fourth quarter, but could not catch up. Uh, Lane Hatcher twenty-six of thirty-six for two eighty-four and two touchdowns for Texas State. Uh, to to really set the tone in that one. And, and you know, you look at App, ever since that meltdown debacle against uh, – well, they had – you know, they had to win in the last minute against Troy. Um, they lost by two in that, that uh, basketball game against North Carolina. Um, you know, beat Texas A&M, which was the high watermark, but now as we've seen Texas A&M kind of fall off a little bit. Um, and then they had to, like I said, win that last second game again, uh, the last second pass against Troy and, and then melted down and melted away against James Madison being up 28 to three and then losing 32 to 28, took care of the Citadel as they should have at home, but you don't really expect them. And, and they're, and they got a short, uh, well, they, they have a week and a half to fix things before they go to, uh, before they host, uh, Georgia state and, and, and Boone on October 19th. But. It's weird, you know. I mean, you have a an experienced, an experienced, experienced quarterback who's playing his his sixth year or seventh year now, even in uh, Chase Bryce. I mean, he's played behind uh, Kelly Bryant, Trevor Lawrence at Clemson. He played at Duke. Now he's at App State. You don't think that that's the problem? Uh, I don't know. It's hard to put your finger on. What do you What do you think? All right. So here's my thing with this: App State. Just to be fair is a interception and a Hail Mary away from being one in five at this point in the season. That's true. I mean, you it, it's hard-fought games, but you were a play away from losing to Texas A&M, and you are a just ridiculous highlight reel Hail Mary away uh, from losing that game to Troy. So I think we've maybe overvalued them after that Texas A&M win because we've seen what Texas A&M turned out to be, which I mean, it's still a big win yeah. for a program because that's an amazing environment and you're going on and taking down a big time SEC West opponent, but it's not, it's not beating Alabama or Georgia, right? It, Texas A&M has proven that they are not one of those football teams. So looking at app state, I'm starting to think that that James Madison loss just kind of put the, the losing bug in their system where it's a team that winning is a skill and it takes a lot of time to develop that. And we've seen app state do that year after year where even if it's an evenly matched game, they know how to win. I think maybe that's coming out in the wash now where the ball don't lie. This isn't a great football team. They've gotten the yeah. bounces early in the season. They haven't gotten the bounces lately and this is what it's turned into. I mean, they could not stop a bad Texas state team. Texas state has been better, but app state should far and away win that football game and they couldn't stop them for the first quarter and a half. And it put them in such a hole that they had to completely turn off their offense. I think they rushed for less than 50 yards in that football game. It just completely changed everything. So I think once you lose that game to James Madison and all the magic kind of left, I think getting or losing a game that you were up 28 to three, to a new rival inside of your conference that's now ranked inside the top 25. I think mentally that's kind of, I don't want to say broken this team, but it's brought them back down to earth. Yeah. And, and you want to compare two teams that are now three and three, uh, compared to Georgia Southern and app 
Georgia Southern or Appalachian, you said, could very well, very easily be one in five with a win only over FCS Citadel. Georgia Southern, conversely, could very easily be five and one, really six and oh, if they, uh, a ball bounces against Birmingham one way or the other. They stopped Coastal Carolina last week and and don't throw four picks against Georgia State. They could be six and oh. So a tale of two, three, and three teams. But, uh, you know, App has time to turn it around. Although they are behind the eight ball, just like Georgia Southern is with two conference losses now um, and really have a long road to go. But they have games that they have a week and a half now to turn it around and try to find themselves before they host Georgia State on a Wednesday night next week. Um, but, yeah, the magic may be gone, although you know <laughs> they may have used up that last bit of Appalachian Mountain magic during the Miracle on the Mountain Part 2. Yeah, now three and three on the year, uh, one and two in the Sun Belt. So probably watching their Sun Belt title hopes fade away there uh, out at Texas State. Troy gets a big win, twenty-seven to ten uh, over Southern Miss. They're now two and one in Sun Belt play. But I wanted to talk about Coastal Carolina because we've talked about some teams now that are a couple of bounces away from just seeing a completely different side to their season. Coastal Carolina 6-0. and uh, I thought they had a pretty funny social media post uh, where they said, hey, we got bowl eligible as quickly as possible. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, it's That's true. Right. The Chanticleer is wasting no time to get bowl eligible. But you look at some of these scores, they start off the season 38-28 to win over Army. They beat Gardner-Webb 31-27. to uh, they take they down to come back and they had to score late to win that that game. Yeah, they take down Buffalo thirty eight to twenty six. Uh, Georgia State they were able to dominate that game, but they beat Georgia Southern thirty four to thirty, and it took uh, a drive at the end where they were down with less than a minute to go in that game, and then they beat UL Monroe twenty eight to twenty one. So outside of one performance in Atlanta, all one score games for the Chanticleers where again one game where maybe you don't have the excellent senior quarterback there and Grayson McCall just doing what senior quarterbacks do and you're a bounce away from losing those football games so is, is Coastal Carolina legit at 6-0 and or are we still holding out judgment you know I think they're as legit as anybody else in the east right now uh, maybe other than James Madison uh, just because they have that Grayson McCall senior leadership that's able to do this um, and that's what you want in a senior quarterback. That's what you want in a guy that's a program guy, uh, and Jamie Chadwell uh, has that with him, and finding ways to win ugly, uh, for lack of a better term, and, and just find a way to get it done. And, you know, they don't have to win by a million. It'd be nice, uh, and they probably, just to make everybody happy, uh, you know, this Saturday maybe want to do that against Old Dominion at home to kind of reestablish some – you know, feel good about themselves. But, uh, you know, that Monroe talk, I think that Monroe game was a trap game anyway. It's hard to um, go to Monroe and a play, although they're a little bit better. But it, it, just like just like App State, it, you have to create your own intensity. You have to find your own excitement when you go to places like that um, because there are not going to be a lot of people there. It's a big, going to be a big empty stadium that you have to find your own yeah. motivation. Bring you know, your own juice. Your own, that's right. You got to bring your own juice, and it's hard to do that week after week. Um, but I think that they're still obviously they're the team to beat in the East, and they have a huge leg up to play for a conference championship and host the conference championship in Conway. Um, you know, six games in. All right, these were the drives for Coastal Carolina uh, in the second half. They go into the halftime up twenty-eight to fourteen, and then it's punt, punt, 
Punt, punt, punt, end of game. I not mean, a good second half. Not, I mean, not a good second half at all. And I'm just, we, we've talked about waiting for the other shoe to drop. It feels like Coastal Carolina has had the magic all year. Again, all it takes is like one missed tackle and Monroe is tied up in this football game and their defense was able to come out, held them to just uh, a touchdown drive on the first drive of the second half. And then again, for them, they've stopped them on downs. You force a fumble, force a punt, get another uh turnover on downs and then able to hold them off uh, with the Hail Mary attempt there at the end of the football game. But I mean, again, I think Coastal Carolina is kind of living on the edge right now. And you look at the remainder of their schedule, as you mentioned, Robbie, uh, getting into our game of the week, coming up for week seven, they have to head, uh, excuse me, to Old Dominion. That's a team that's been struggling, but still, but still, it's a team that could keep this one close. And like we said, eventually, like with App State, you use up all that magic. And are you able to hold on to that forever? But after Old Dominion, you have to head to Marshall to take on a really good Marshall team. You're home against App State and then Southern Miss. And then you have a game at Virginia and finish with at James Madison. Now, James Madison can't play for a postseason, right? But their losses or a loss to them still counts as a Sunbelt yeah. loss. So I, I don't think... Coastal Carolina is running away with this thing at all. No, no. And you know, crazy as it may seem, I mean, the you know, the, it still could be a situation where a team like Georgia Southern, Georgia State with, uh, you know, still in it, Appalachian, even with two losses, still in it because you the, the, one of the two undefeated teams in your division can't play for the championship. Um, and so Coastal Carolina still has a big hill to climb to clinch the Eastern Division, obviously. And who knows, two two games, two losses may win this Eastern Division. I think we said that a couple of weeks ago. At least one we thought was going to win uh, the division, maybe two now. Um, that Old Dominion game is a little bit sneaky. Uh, it's a noon kick in Conway. Yep. Um, you know, it's kind of where Old Dominion could sneak in there and Coastal could kind of try to sleepwalk through it. A uh, little, little dicey. And then always a road trip to Marshall's tough. And then you got App State. App State's going to still show up even though they haven't played great uh, in the last couple of weeks. And then that game to Southern Miss, and then, uh, of course, finishing with James Madison on the road Thanksgiving weekend uh, could be very dicey for Coastal, too. Yeah, and again, that one, uh, Coastal Carolina, 11.5-point favorite at home, and they've only managed to win one game uh, by that many points. So that might for, for our betters out there, that might yeah. be one to pay attention to. But again, moving on to our game of the week here, uh, now number 25, James Madison. Again, 5-0, and 3-0 in Sunbelt play. They are 10 and a half point favorites on the road at Georgia Southern. And Robbie, as you mentioned, uh, a place known for humbling top 25 teams. Georgia Southern did not have a great record last year. I think Louisiana uh, and Coastal Carolina both ranked when they played the Eagles and the Eagles not able uh, to pick up wins in either of those. But you go back a few years, App State comes to town, fresh off, getting ranked inside the top 25, immediately humbled. So Paulson Stadium kind of now notorious for doing this. It's it's the proven grounds. Once you get inside that top 25, can you hold on against a explosive offense with Georgia Southern? Yeah, and um, last year, of course, like you said, Coastal and Louisiana both ranked when they came in, not freshly ranked, right. and that, that was the difference. Uh, I think App has come in twice in a row, um, freshly being ranked in the top 25. That Halloween game uh, 2018 comes to mind off the top of my head where Georgia Southern and uh, Wesley Kennedy had 
quite the uh, the homecoming for them there. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Four o'clock kick. James Madison um, has to take care of business uh, if they want to continue this uh, Cinderella ride they're on in their first year. And Georgia Southern has to find a way to get a win. Uh, because after this, as you said, it's it's tough road to hoe for the Eagles. Uh, got to go to South Alabama or got to go to Old Dominion uh, on the 22nd, then uh, have an off week before South Alabama comes to town. Then you still have your West Coast trip, quote West Coast, to Louisiana before you finish with Marshall and App at home. But I think this is a big, big measuring stick and a big test for Coach Clay Helton and his squad to be able to bounce back from the rivalry loss, bounce back from uh, two losses in a row, uh, now back inside the friendly confines of Paulson Stadium. And uh, it's family weekend, going to be a big crowd, and got to take care of business. And the the 25 to the left of James Madison is going to be a little added incentive for the Eagles, I think. Uh, It's going to be a fascinating game to watch, Uh, especially – Again, as we talked about earlier in the show, a team that Georgia Southern is not supposed to win this game. James Madison, with as good as they've looked, uh, should come in and win this game by a couple of touchdowns, right? But just something about this offense and the style in which they play, it kind of feels like when you see a team go down by double-digit points and that offense that they go to where it's like, all right, well, we got to go now. It feels like Georgia Southern does that from the jump. And so Mm -hmm. for James Madison, I think this is a big kind of – potential game in terms of impact for the Sunbelt as a conference. It's a four o'clock game. I know it's on ESPN plus, but with all the big time uh, SEC, ACC, big 10 games that are coming up this weekend, it's going to be hard to get uh, on cable, but it's an ESPN plus game, but I still feel like it's legitimate enough. Enough people know who Georgia Southern is. Enough people are following the James Madison storyline that they're undefeated and ranked inside the top 25. I think this is kind of a showcase game for the Sun Belt. So what do you think is a better result for them seeing what we've seen before, which is Georgia Southern knocking off, or is it James Madison coming in, playing a really competitive game against Georgia Southern, but continuing this win streak? I mean, in terms of if I'm commissioner yeah. uh, of the Sun Belt, if I'm sitting back, I, I think you, in terms of commissioner-wise, I want to see – well, you could go either way. I want to see the Sun Belt East be what we thought it was, where it's going to be knocking each other off and be parity, not parity, but uh, a lot of good teams in one division. Or, you know, I kind of want to see my new guy dominate a little yeah. bit. Um, one thing I want to see from a Georgia Southern standpoint is I want to see Kyle Van Treese running this offense with more than a one-score lead, which I don't think he's had all year except that 10-point lead at Coastal early in the fourth quarter. I want to see him in a, an offense – running the offense in a comfortable nature up by two scores and how he extends a lead uh, to go from two to three scores up. Haven't had that opportunity uh, except uh, in that uh, fourth quarter against Coastal when they went up 24 to 14. Um, that is what I look for for Georgia Southern. But if I'm the Sun Belt, the top brass of the Sun the League, I want to see a, a good game, a competitive game, and I want to see James Madison come out with it. Uh, but also, I, I think on the other side, other side of the coin, like I said, you want to see Georgia Southern come back and, and make a run at it too and, and make this go down to the wire with two, two, three, four teams in the East trying to win on the last weekend. Yeah, I think if the Eagles can avoid handing the Dukes the ball. This is going to be a close one yep. down into the fourth quarter. Well, Robbie, I appreciate it, brother. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Robbie will be uh, in stadium announcer for that one coming up at 4 o'clock on Saturday there at Paulson Stadium. So we appreciate it, brother. Enjoy the game. Uh, We'll be watching uh, the rest of the league as well. And make sure you tune in 
next Sunday uh, for next week's edition of the Sunday Belt Podcast. Robbie, we'll catch up with you. All right. Thank you.